So Psalm 127, one. All right, we'll pick up where we left off this morning, have a little bit of review. What is a home? What is a Christian home? And uh, as we go through tonight, uh, we're not going to put the notes up there, but we got for, through the first three points, and you're going to have to tell me what the first three points were. I hope you took notes this morning, okay? So it's quiz time, but if we could stand together for the reading of the Word of God, we're going to read out loud together Psalm 127, verse number 1, Psalm 127, 1, and uh, this is where we're at here. A Christian home can only be built by the Lord. So let's read this together. Psalm 127.1, let's begin. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you would be with the rest of the message from this morning. That, Lord, you worked in hearts this morning. I pray that you continue to work tonight. Challenge us, Lord, to be a Christ-honoring parents and also Christ-honoring children, Lord, and that we would follow your admonitions and your instructions for what you would have us do with our families. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is a home? So we learned this morning there are seven things that should be seen in our homes. We got to the first, well, he we actually got to the first four, actually. We got to the first four. Uh, we had the last three to do tonight. So we're over halfway there, okay? Uh, but the fifth one is going to take me a few minutes. But so number one, so what's the number one thing that we should see that should be seen in our homes? I remember, the Lord, that's right. The Lord should be seen. The Lord Jesus Christ needs to be seen. If he is our Lord and Savior, he should be visible in our homes. For the church and the home are the two main places he shines in the world today. Well, okay, what's the second thing that should be seen in our home? Love, that's right. Oh, you're doing well, wonderful. I'm excited. All right, love should be seen. Now, don't, put, don't let them cheat, Brother Coe. Don't let them cheat. So when they say it, then you can put it up. All right, there we go. But the love should be seen in our homes, right? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, we looked at the obstacles to love there. And what the, because of iniquity, the love of many shall wax, what? Cold, sin always does that, Brings puts the ice cubes in there and brings all kinds of things. And so uh, husbands are to love their wives and wives love their husbands and husbands and uh, fathers and mothers to love their children. So number three, what's the third thing that should be seen in our homes? The Bible, the Word of God, and we should teach it to our children. We should also have it visible uh, in our, yes, not just in decor for decor reasons, but as an encouragement when we see God's Word on the wall, when we see God's Word on a post-it note that you're memorizing on the mirror in the bathroom, it becomes part of our thinking and the part of the thinking of our children. That's important. And then what's the fourth thing that should be seen in our homes? Prayer. Oh, we need to be a praying people. Do we pray like we ought to? Do we pray? Do our children know that we pray? Do we teach our children to pray? But not just only praying and asking, but really believing, asking in faith. I love R.A. Torrey's comment here in quote, prayer moves the hand that moves the universe. Therefore, prayer is omnipotent and prayer should be seen in our homes. All right, that brings us to number five. Tonight, I left that a number, it was actually number four, number three, I didn't change the notes there, but number five, discipline should be seen in our homes. Discipline for mom and dad to order their lives. 
If you do not know how to order your life or order your schedule, your children will end up that way. Uh, and being punctual. Uh, did, you have, did you grow up with this adage? This is my mother's adage, and it was adage of many, uh, that if you're on time, you're what? Late. Five minutes early at least. So that's what I was taught to be, five minutes early. We were always 20 to 30 minutes early for church. We never showed up at right at time or five minutes till. We were 20 to 30 minutes early. And, uh, and we didn't even really do much in the church at the time. We just wanted to be there and fellowship with people and greet people. We'd ask the pastor if he needed, any, needed anything done. Uh, but we were just there. And you know what? I just thought, well, that's just what people do. But then, as I became a pastor, I can just tell you how much of an encouragement that is to a preacher to have faithful people that are there every service. You don't have to wonder if they're not going to be there. We have many faithful people. I never have to wonder if you're going to be here. Amen. That's a blessing and an encouragement. And we see that discipline needs to be in our lives. If you're an undisciplined person and you want to have children, learn to be a disciplined person because your children will be undisciplined. And undisciplined children cause problems. Uh, discipline from mom and dad to set boundaries. We talked about boundaries this morning. So we're getting to the boundaries part. To have boundaries for your children and to enforce them. We have to understand, we are designed to have boundaries. God has designed us to have boundaries, to have limitations. Do this is an area you cannot go, but this is an area you can go. Do you know what we do by human nature? We focus on where we can't go instead of where we can. Amen. We have so much, so many places we can go. We have so much liberty and freedom, but yet we focus on what? What we can't do. What do we hear about in our homes today? Well, Christian homes. Well, mom and dad won't let me do this or that. What do we hear about in our churches? Oh, well, the pastor preaches and we can't do this or that. Can we just stop focusing on what we can do and focus on what we can do for God? Amen. But that doesn't suit the flesh, though. That's the issue. And we have to be careful as parents that we do not set boundaries that are flesh-based, but that we set, set biblical boundaries. Biblical boundaries. Because discipline is a necessary thing. Uh, and what are we talking about with discipline? Uh, teaching our children to obey. Not obey the 5th, 6th, 10th, 20th, 30th time, but to obey when? Right away. Obey the first time. And can I tell you what? That's a lot of work to try and teach your children that. When they're young, it's a lot of work because they don't, they get it one day, the next day you think they got it down, the next day what happens? You tell them to do something, you have to tell them two, three times, and guess what? Discipline has to take place. And yes, I'm talking about a spanking. I know that's not politically correct to say today. Spanking is not child abuse. Spanking is biblical. It's legal in the state of Texas, praise the Lord. For that, do you know what a lot of police officers say with some of these people? I heard uh, a police officer told my wife a few years ago. He said, you know what? what uh, we have some of these teenagers and kids and things. They're 10, 11, 12 years old. Parents call the police, don't know what to do with them. And one of them took, one police officer took the mother's side. You know what you need to do? You need to give your daughter good spanking. Because they're taking us away from dealing with people who are breaking into homes and dealing with all these things. You know what? You just need to step up as a parent and tell her, No. She's not allowed to do that. Boundaries. Because when children don't have boundaries and they can do whatever they want, there is a ton of problems. Because let's look at Proverbs 29, 15. Let's turn there first. 
because boundaries are necessary. Uh, that you should not do this. A boundary in your home. There was a number one rule in our home. There was number one, number two, number three rule. Number one rule, don't lie. Don't lie. That was rule number one. My dad always emphasized with us, don't you ever lie to me because you'll regret the day that you do. And we did, all of us did at one time or another, I can just say a very few times because it was not a good day when we lied. Because why? He wanted to teach us something. Because if we have that flaw of character to lie and to mislead, it will destroy our lives. We need to have that character to be honest. The second rule was do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it. That was obey. Number three, respect your mother. Okay, that's I'm a, as, a, as a son doing that, respect your mother because we respect dad. You know, it's easy for boys to do that, but not so easy to respect mom, right? Mom's a woman and ought to be treated with respect. Amen. And guess what? I wasn't always very good at that, uh, but my dad very much always took care of that. Whenever I did it, my dad always took care of that and taught me a boundary. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. It's not to damage your child. It's not to intimidate your child. It's not to show your child who's boss. It's to give them wisdom. But a child left to wear himself, meaning no boundaries, uh, means a couple of no boundaries also that uh, mom is not involved in the discipline or leaves them leaving your children home. We have too many latchkey children in our world today that they come home. Mom and dad are at work and they're left to themselves. And guess what? They bring their parents to shame. Uh, and right here, because at the end of the day, it is mom's job because dad's out doing what? It should be working. Right? Providing for the family. So at the end of the day, so mom is home with the kids. And mom's job is to what? Enforce discipline. But who leads in the discipline? Dad. That's why well, I'm not here. It's not my job. It is. You, the dads lead in discipline. And there were many, many times that we would do something. And my mom would say these words. And we hated these words. Okay, go to your room and wait till your dad gets home. Because my dad worked at home, but he'd go out and do deliveries. Oh, we knew. No, mom, I'm so sorry. Oh, mom, don't you tell dad about. Oh, mom, please. Because we knew when dad got home, he got to the got to the nitty gritty of the matter a little bit better than mom could. Amen. All right. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. How many understand what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe you had a father like that. But uh, my dad did not waste time and did not waste words. He just said, "You know what you did? Yes, sir. Okay, let's get to it." And I remember those, those times, even to this day. Because, and guess what? Those things gave wisdom. Uh, I did not enjoy the, the consequence of my sin. Okay? Going and sending your children to their room to sit in their bed and to uh, send them to bed without supper. That's not discipline. You know what happens? They end up playing and doing whatever in their bed, and they've forgotten all about what they did wrong. There needs to be the rod of correction, and that is a spanking. The rod is necessary. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Amen. They're not angels. They're not born inherently good. If you, people that say that, oh, people are inherently good. I ask them, do you have children? I ask that very seriously because children can be wicked. 
even at a young age, and they can do wicked things, and they can be nasty, and they can be mean. You're like, where does that come from? That's our sin nature. That's how we are. You know, we look at our, they just don't have the ability to have the inhibitions and to be able to put a good face on it like adults can. Kids are honest. They are what they are. They don't put any airs about it. And foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That there's a, re, there's a result to foolish actions, to sinful actions. What is the result, though, of, a, of discipline and of spanking? We'll get into this more as we go through the series. What is the result, though? Proverbs 29, 17. Correct thy son, and here's a promise, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. What happens? A correction to the behavior, and then they come and they get it right with mom and dad, and then they start doing right, and it is a delight to your soul. It's a delight when our children obey and do the right thing. Isn't that right? Isn't it wonderful, mom and dad, when they do things without you having to tell them to do it? Right? They have a chore and you have to remind them. And he seems to have to nag him and remind me. Oh, no, I forgot to do my chore. But then when you get up in the morning and they, oh, mom and dad, I did my chore. I did this. And I even made some toast for you. Like, man, that's a delight. Amen. When that happens. Right? And they, they're like, wow. And it only lasts for a day, maybe two. If it lasts for a week, I mean, we are just praising God. We're rich people, right? That's what, and that's what part of it. There is an end to it. It's like it seems like I'm constantly correcting, I'm constantly disciplining. Is there an end? Yes, but not yet. And one day your children will thank you for not letting them do what they want. Guess what? I grew up with some people that their parents let them do what they wanted to do. And they're nowhere near a church. They're nowhere, their marriages are two and three marriages or not married at all and have three kids with three different people and a mess. Because they just do what they want. They had no character taught to them. Character is not natural. It's taught. And it's taught by the book, by the Bible. And it's taught by, mainly if you have sons, it's taught by dad. And if you have daughters, it's taught by mom. And both. Fathers, this is where we come in for discipline. Yes, your wife will discipline, but you are the main disciplinarian, not the main enabler. Oh, go ask your mother is our favorite phrase that we hear today. Oh, I don't want to deal with it. Go ask your mother. What did your mother say about it? Well, my mom, mom just said to come to you. Can I say something? If there is a division there between mom and dad, your child will exploit it, no matter how good you think they are. Oh, and what, what happens? The one who is the softest touch is the one you go to first. In my case, it was my mother. And I would go and ask mom. First, I was sometimes, I knew dad had the money. So I'd go ask dad for something. Dad, can I have this? No, we don't have the money. You don't need that, son. Oh, okay. I'd wait a couple of days. Then I'd go ask mom. And then mom figures something out after a few times of this going on. And so my mother would say, what did your father say? Well, makes you think I talked to dad about it, mom. Well, you know, why would you say that? You know, <laughs> and you're like, matey, matey, we're crashing here. You know, and she would say, what did your father? Well, your dad, well, dad said no. And then her next phrase was what? Then why are you asking me about it? Well, I thought you could put a good word in for me, mom. 
You know, I really, really, really want it. I really want to do this. I really want to go there. I really want to go hang out with my friends. And dad's just being a stickler about it. Can you talk to him, mom? Please, 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 please. Don't give in, mom. Your father said it. That's it. You can talk to your husband about it, but don't say, oh, don't worry about what dad said. You can go ahead and do it because I said, be careful you will cause a division and a lack of discipline will begin to. Colossians 3.20, also in your discipline, gentlemen, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, what are some ways, let's think about it for a moment, that our children can become angered by our discipline? It can be how we discipline, but also, you know, one of the main ways that our children can become angered is a lack of consistency, that they do something Yesterday, and then they do it the next day, they get in trouble for it, and they don't know why. Well, you let me do it yesterday, but yes, I know, but you're in trouble for it today. There's a lack of communication, a lack of consistency, and there's just, rules are all over the place. They change daily. You will anger and make your children bitter if you do that. There needs to be a consistency. There needs to be a partnership between mom and dad. And discipline breaks down the Adamic nature, which wants to have anarchy and also teaches your children to submit to the Holy Spirit's controls. These are simple tools that children understand. Important lessons become disciplined at the adult level is much harsher. If we go and do whatever we want, if we want to live how we want, what happens to adults? They go to jail. They have adult-level consequences. A child, they go and do what they want. They get a spanking, and then there's restoration. The discipline is far less severe, but the lesson is taught. But if you will, life will teach them a lesson. Really, you you want this world to teach them a lesson. You want this life to teach them a lesson. Your child might end up dead because that's the lesson the world teaches out there. And that's what the devil, exactly what the devil wants. So we need to make sure we're faithful and disciplined and doing it lovingly, but doing it being firm, being keeping with the boundaries that are biblical boundaries and being a team. Mom and dad need to be a team and then your children will thank you for that one day. I've thanked my parents many times said thank you for not letting me get away with what I wanted to get away with and letting me do what I wanted to do. So discipline should be seen in our homes. Number six, peace should be seen in our homes. Peace should be. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 29 through 32. The home should be a place of peace, not a place of arguing and yelling and conflict. It needs to be a place of peace. And that's something that as God's people we should desire. Too many homes that... It, at the dinner table at night is the time for the family boxing bouts. Maybe it's mom and dad, or maybe it's mom and the kids, or dad and the kids, and there doesn't seem to be any meal time that goes by without somebody getting into some disagreement or the children amongst themselves, and there's no peace. That is not how God designed the home to be. God designed the home to be a tranquil place, a place of peace, a place separate from the clamor of the world. You know, and there's some kids that can't wait to get out of their home so they can, ha- so they can have some peace outside the home. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Let's apply this as parents 
to each other and also to our children, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And what be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Where does bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking come from? It comes from a hard heart, a heart that's hardened by sin. A heart that's hardened by pride. But tender heartedness, forgiving one another. Bitterness comes from a lack of forgiveness. And anger and wrath are the fruits of bitterness. And clamor, evil speaking, all of those are the fruit of bitterness because of a lack of forgiveness. So what's the answer to that? Forgive one another. People don't always intend to hurt you. They do it by accident. Guess what? You accidentally hurt people by things you say and things you do. You're not perfect, and so don't expect. And bitterness comes. You expected someone to do something. They broke your expectations. Instead of forgiving them, you have become bitter against them. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You have been forgiven by God. Forgive others. The peace of God that passes all understanding should be in each and every Christian home. And when lost people come or people that come into your home, they're like, wow, this is really peaceful here. The Spirit of God is here. Doesn't the Spirit of God minister peace to us? Amen. Doesn't, isn't that what we ought to have in our homes ought to be a place that the Spirit of God is pervasive? And you know, by that Spirit, and I just say this again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep I'm going to harp on this for years and years to come. Our entertainment choices will greatly affect whether or not we have peace in our home or not. Okay? If all of our children and our, we're having a steady diet of violence and just worldliness, you're not going to have peace in your home. The cartoons don't teach the peace of God. Amen. What do they teach them to? Teaches them to fight, teaches them to be selfish, teaches them to lie, teaches them to do what they want to do and not listen to mom and dad. So you got to be careful that anything that destroys the peace of God should not be in our homes. Whatever it is, whether it's a friend, whether it's an activity, whether it's some influence that destroys the peace of God, it shouldn't be there. And then number seven, number seven, a Christian example should be seen in our homes. Parents are an example to their children. In Ezekiel 16.44 says this about Jerusalem. Behold, everyone that useth Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, as is the mother, so is her daughter. Our children are reflections of us. Our daughters many times are reflections of their mother. Our sons are reflections of their fathers many times. And on Saturday and today, if a father is present, because there's a lot of fatherless homes out there today. As is the mother, so is her daughter. By the way, it is easier to set a bad example for your kids than a good one. Because it doesn't matter if you're trying to be a good example and you have flaws and things. Many times your children pick up on the bad things before the good things. So that's why we need to be very careful what example we set. We need to be examples of spirituality, an example of Christ-likeness to our children. They will follow in that. When they see God is real to mom and dad, the God will be real to them. 
That is essential in a Christian home. But also children, we've been dealing with parents. Children, we're listening here. Children should be an example of obedience to their parents. Can I tell you something? The lost world is watching you because the world wants to look and see, ha, you're just like us. You don't have the answer to what we're looking for. So when children go ahead and live in rebellion to their parents and say, well, I can do what I want and I don't have to listen, guess what? That's how the world's children act. And then the world looks at that and scoffs and says, ha, you see, God doesn't work. The Bible doesn't work. It really isn't anything different than what we do. They just dress it up a little bit differently. Can I say that bad example has been set by way too many Christian homes in our country? The lost world is watching. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, honor thy father and thy mother. Sage Spurgeon said, when, when home is ruled by the word of God, angels might be asked to stay with us and they would not find themselves outside their element. Think about that. So what does that mean? That means we need to have heaven on earth in our homes. Our homes ought to be a place of haven, a place where our family wants to be. If you have, Maybe you've seen an example of this. Uh, that depending how a child, I mean, if they had a happy childhood and just a close-knit family, I mean, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every holiday, man, they can't wait to get home. They can't wait to get home and be with mom and dad and relive the good times. They can't wait. But then other kids that didn't have such a good upbringing, man, you can't get them to come visit except every three or four or five years. And even then for like a day or two. Why? Because their memories aren't so happy for whatever reason. And if their memories aren't happy, then it wasn't a godly home. Giving yourself, what is the secret though? I said, okay, we want to have a godly home. We want to have a Christian home. We want to have a home that honors God. What is the secret? What's the secret sauce? You know, you go to Raising Cane's, you know, love their chicken, but what makes it the best is their sauce, right? The secret sauce. What is the secret sauce? I have the answer for you tonight. You want to have a godly home? You want to have a Christian home? I have the answer. God's word gives it to us. Do you want to know the secret? What's the secret? Give your life to the Lord completely. Sell out to God. That's the secret. When we give everything to God and we just do all that God says and commands us to do in his word that we've seen throughout today, We'll never be the parent or spouse we need to be outside of surrender to Christ. If we try and do it our way and try to do life our way, take a little bit of God and a little bit of Dr. Spock and a lot, little bit of this and that, it's not going to work. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Because parenting is about giving. You give of yourself as a parent, to take care of your children, to provide for your children, to teach your children. It's a lot. It's a big responsibility, but it's a joy. But how do we get to that place of it being a joy instead of an annoyance? How do we get to the place of being the right kind of parent with surrender to God? 2 Corinthians 8, verses 3 and 5, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of, to the saints. And this they did, not as we'd hoped, but first 
How, did, how were they able to minister with Paul and be co-laborers? This is uh, the church at Corinth. How were they able to do that? How were they able to give? And this was talking about a gift they had given to Paul. We're not sure if it was financial or what exactly what it was. But they wanted to give to the ministry of God. And they wanted to give of themselves as servants. But how did they do that? But first gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. If we want to give our all to our families and to our homes, then we need to give ourselves to God first. Man, I was hoping for something profound, preacher. I was hoping for something that was better. That's the secret sauce. That's the secret to it all. Absolutely. A life fully surrendered to God then God can use you in your children's life and in your spouse's life and in his kingdom. He will not be able to use you otherwise and you'll set yourself up for failure. I'm tired of hearing of the marginal Christian home in our country today. You know what, that they make it. You know what, people, a lot of parents, too many parents say, hey, I'm, I'll be glad if my kids you know, get out of the home and they didn't end up going to jail. You know what, I'll be happy if they just go and they just, you know, they get a good job and everything. By the way, no expectation of living for God. No expectation of even being faithful to church. No, I'm just glad they didn't go to jail. You know, I'm just glad. I'll be happy. It doesn't matter what church they go to. They could go to the Buddhist temple, but I, at least they didn't go to jail. I'll be happy with that. If that's happened, there's a failure that's happened somewhere. Amen. I understand our kids have free will, and but the Bible does say, and it's still in the book, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not what? Depart from it. So something happened in there. I understand it's not always parents' fault. I get that. But I think sometimes we put off, well, it wasn't me. I did my best, so it must have been something either wrong with God or something wrong with the kid. It wasn't my fault. Hello, you're responsible for raising them, so I'm sorry. It does reflect on you. It does reflect on choices you made. It does reflect on what you allowed in the home. It does reflect on the boundaries you made. It does reflect how dedicated you were to God. It does reflect that. So we need to understand it's not just we're... 90, we're like 75% and the child's 25%. No, it is our responsibility to train them up in the way that they should go. And if we have not done that, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And that's maybe hard preaching, but that's the truth. If my children don't turn out for God, I have no one to blame but myself. I'm not going to blame society. I'm not going to blame anybody else. What do people do today? Well, they blame society. They blame their teachers at school. They blame the preacher. They blame the Sunday school teacher. They blame the children's church teacher. As I went over the other night, I'm not going to blame anybody else if my children fail. I'm not going to blame they didn't learn what they need to learn in Sunday school, so that's their fault. No, it's our responsibility as parents to teach them. Joshua 24:15. But as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. If your home doesn't serve the Lord, it's a reflection on you. It's your responsibility. President Harry S. Truman, who was the president after FDR passed away, he had a sign on his desk because he understood the responsibility of him being president. He had a famous sign that says, the buck stops here. If something bad happens, it's my fault. Nobody else's. 
at the end of the day, if something happens in the country and made a bad decision, a bad policy decision, it wasn't my advisor's fault. It wasn't my chief of staff's fault. It wasn't my vice president's fault. It was my fault. I made a bad choice. But you know what? We know God is gracious and merciful. Amen. And if we've made a bad choice and we've made a bad call and we've gone down the wrong road, you know, the best thing that you can do is stop, is not stay on it. Well, I've gone too far down the road. I can't turn back now. That's the wrong response. That just shows that you don't have the character to do what you need to do to turn it around. That's all. But if you really love the Lord and you are sold out to the Lord, you find out and you realize, hey, we're going down the wrong road. We need to stop the car. And we need to turn this thing around. And you know what you need to do? You need to go to your kids and you need to say, mom and dad have messed up and we have gone down the wrong road. This is what the Bible says and this is where we are going and we want you to be on board. But if you're not on board, we're still going back the way God wants us to. Amen. We don't take a family vote of whether or not we're going to serve God or not. We serve God whether you're in or out. We're going to go forward with this. We're going to, we made a mistake because you're going to make mistakes as parents. Amen. Do you know what turns children away from godly parents? Do you know what it is? This is it. It's like, well, if I make mistakes, it's going to turn my kids away. No, it's not that because we're all going to make mistakes. You know what turns them away is that parents that make mistakes, but they won't admit they did. They're too proud to admit to the kid, well, I didn't make a mistake. I didn't say that. They'll twist it around and they'll be a hypocrite to their child. And the child said, I'm sorry, I was living here. I know what happened. I know what the rules were. And mom and dad made a mistake, but they won't admit it. And guess what? That'll turn your children off faster to God and yourself than anything else. If you made a mistake, be humble enough to admit it. And that will endear your hearts to your children. Because their mom and dad were humble enough to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I made a mistake. That will preserve your family. Pride has no place in the service of God or in a family. And there's too many Christian parents today that are too proud to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I should have protected you and I didn't. I should have made this decision and I didn't. I shouldn't have let you do that and I did. You know what, I'm sorry and we're changing it. Too many times parents say sorry, but they don't change a thing. We have to be careful that when we get to the point where we see God and we see what he wants for us, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to serve God. And you know what? Let, let what happens happen because at the end of the day, your family has to make their own decisions about it. But you're the leader, gentlemen. You're the man, husband, father. You're the leader. And you know what? Well, my wife isn't on board. Okay, you still need to go down the path. Well, my children are on board. If mom and dad are on board and the children aren't, guess what? They'll get on board eventually. We say, well, I'm only going to go down the path of God if only, if all, only if the whole family is in favor of it. No, you do right even if you're the only one doing it. We have to stop making Christianity a democracy rule because one day you might stand by yourself. By the way, if you teach your children that, then they're going to live their Christian life that way. And guess what? They're going to end up going to a church where majority rules. They won't learn to stand for the truth even when they're standing alone. There's going to be a day when you're going to stand alone. You're going to stand by yourself and you're going to have to decide, is the truth I am standing for, is it the truth or is it not? 
a little preview to next Sunday night because too many people have slogan-based Christianity. You know, they hear, well, the Bible is inerrant, without error. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. They don't know why. You know, we believe in the virgin birth. You know, Jesus was born miraculously through the virgin birth. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's right. I believe that too. They don't know why. Can I tell you something? If that's how you base all your belief in, the, in Christianity, someone will be able to come along one day and tell you something different. You'll believe that. You've got to know why from the book and what the truth of the Word of God says why we believe what we believe. Not just because it sounds good to you. There's too many people in churches. Everything sounds good to them, and that's why they fall away from church because they found something else that sounds better to them. We've got to know what the truth says and what the Bible says. And the Bible is the truth. Amen. It cuts through everything else. It's sharper than a two-edged sword and it's clear. Amen. So tonight, do we have the Christian home we need to have? Do we have the home that we desire? I pray the Lord has shown us things. I know he's shown me things in the preparation for this message that there's some things that need to change because I'm not perfect. No one, none of us are. We all need have room to grow tonight. As well, my kids are grown. Well, you, if you're a grandparent or great-grandparent, there's still room for you to grow too. We all have a responsibility before God. Are we sold out to God, chief and foremost? That's for everybody here tonight, whether you're married or not or have children or no. Being sold out to God. Are you sold out 100%? Does God have every part of you? Does he have your time? Does he have your pocketbook? Does he have everything? You know, I say, well, he has all my life, but he doesn't have my pocketbook. Why? He gave it to you anyway. Amen. You know, we look at it, some tithe is not 10%, God's 90% me. No, it's all his. 100% of it. Amen. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we sing that song. It's all his. We're just giving back the part he told us to. He lets us keep the rest. Amen. Even then, we should use that wisely for the Lord. So tonight, what kind of home do you have? What, home, what kind of home do you want? What kind of home does God want you to have? Because we many times have, a, there's a, something different between what we want and what God wants. And what surrender says, it doesn't matter what I want, I want what God wants. The same, I want it to be the same. That's surrender to God. I hope that's where we are at tonight. And maybe we need to make some decisions in these areas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless us as we go into our invitation time tonight. And Lord, I pray that these messages from your word have impacted hearts and they've impacted mine and convicted me of things and things I need to change. Lord, I pray that we all grow together tonight. And Lord, I know that our church is only as strong as the families that are in it. I pray, Lord, that our families will become stronger as we go through your word step by step and build precept upon precept, line upon line. And Lord, if there's something we've done amiss, dear Lord, a road we've gone down that's wrong, oh, that we would stop the car tonight and that we would get off of that bad road in that bad direction, Lord, and all and come before you and bow our heads and cry out and repent, Lord, of our sin and our mistake and our error and our pride, whatever it is, Lord, and that we get back on the path and that we have some hard discussions with our families tonight and so we're getting back on the path for you, dear Lord. I pray tonight that that would be the desire of those here this evening. Help us, we pray, to be surrendered 100% to you, that we not take any of it back, that we not put our own desires in there, but that we only have your desire, Lord. I pray your blessing and your help tonight. Give us what we need, I pray. But Lord, I pray that we just desire what you want us to have, not what we desire. Help us to lay those aside this evening. Bless, I pray, this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.